this episode of the Jacob Beer Show, I am so happy to have on Five for Fighting, as you know him as, um, Mr. John Azdralik. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jacob. How are you? Pretty good. Well, first off, um, congratulations on finishing another great tour this past year. I really appreciate it. I know I first reached out to you um, probably around the summertime when you were on tour. So I hope the tour and everything went well. It was a lot of fun out with a band called the Bare Naked Ladies from Canada who put on a great show and are great guys. And if his, as an opening act, it's always wonderful to um, to have really cool people headlining. And and we did an encore every night. And it was kind of like old man rock star summer camp. We had we had quite a good time. For sure. That's awesome to hear. So take us through a little bit. You know, we were kind of talking before. I'm in a smaller studio at Purdue University. Um, when you first started, take us through how, you know, you started, because you didn't start out with that piano behind you, you know, you didn't start out with thousands and thousands of people touring all over the world. Take us through your background. Yeah, well, my mom was a piano teacher, so that's where the music gene came from. She was a piano major at USC, and uh, she taught music and taught piano lessons mostly her whole life. My dad actually was an astrophysicist. He worked for NASA in the 70s on some of the unmanned space flights. So I had these two kind of very interesting creative parents, one on the music side, one on the more analytical science side. And as a kid, my mom, um, as a piano teacher, knew that it's much easier to learn an instrument like the piano as a very young child than an adult or a teenager. It's like a language. You know, you're more malleable as a young kid. So she started me at the piano very young and and I became somewhat proficient on the piano. And when I was 12, 13 years old, I wanted to quit and ride my skateboard and play basketball. And, and she let me quit. And, uh, but I, by then I had the fundamentals. And then, then it was about, do I want to play or not? And, and I had a passion for songwriting. I started writing songs. I bought some recording equipment, started recording songs. And it was my passion. And uh, after you know 15 years of struggling in the business, uh, I finally broke through and I've been blessed for the last 25 years to, to make a living at my childhood passion, which I certainly don't take for granted. For sure. And kind of take us through, you know, of course, I'm in early stages of my show. I'd love to be able yeah. to do this full time someday. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who have entertainment aspirations, not just in music, but in theater um, or with shows want, want to be able to do that. So take us through kind of um, what were if you don't mind me asking, what were some of your struggles and how did you overcome those struggles? Because, um, yeah, as you said, it took a lot of years before you got to the point where you've been in the last 25 years. Yeah, I think like many things in the arts, you know, it's it's um, it's not necessarily a meritocracy. It's not like sports where if you're Michael Jordan, you're going to play in, in the NBA. It's You know, it's subjective. And a lot of people will find reasons to discount you. So, so much of success, I think, in the arts, uh, has nothing to do with your actual talents. It's about it's about um, resilience. It's about will. It's about work ethic. And you know, I had many doors slammed in my face, like every artist. I had a record company close under my feet after I made my first record. Um, so a lot of a lot of my success I attribute to just kind of sheer perse sheer perseverance. Writing a hundred songs to get ten for an album. Um, writing two thousand songs before I wrote Superman. Um, just giving everything you got to pursue your dream. And does that mean it's going to happen? Um, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but 
But I think whether it works out or not, whether it becomes an occupation that you can make a livelihood out of or a hobby or um, just something that provides you wellness, um, I think it makes you feel good about about yourself. And, and you certainly, it's wonderful to make money. It's something you do. But if I just, you know, ended up just writing a bunch of songs, playing music with a bunch of people, able to sit around and, and play music for myself, that's okay too. So I think a lot of these things that we don't necessarily associate with with success and and the the, the steps to rock stardom or you know successful Joe Rogan, I think you look back on those. A lot of them are hard work, perseverance, listening, surrounding yourself with good people, being humble. All of those things are, I think, a recipe for for a good chance at having success in in the arts. For sure. And um, appreciate the advice on that for anybody who will be listening who wants to pursue, to pursue something in the arts. Um, what would you say, do you enjoy writing music, um, performing? Which one are you kind of, and another day I had a singer on who said that they enjoy performing. Um, where do you kind of fall on that? And I'm sure you enjoy both, but if you had to pick one, which one do you kind of enjoy more? That's that's an interesting question. Um... You know, it's 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 wonderful to have an audience sing your song back to you. You know, as a, as a songwriter and and perform, especially if you write your own songs and you sing your own songs, you know, to to be able to to go out on a stage and have whether it's ten people or ten thousand people sing your song back to you is um, is chilling. It's wonderful. It's it's emotional. Um, but I still think as a writer. If you if you have something you feel is 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 really great and and you you do this a lot and you kind of know um, at least for yourself that that it's something that feels very special. The first time you play a song from beginning to end, after you may be working on it for six months or six hours, it it's it's that's what keeps me coming back because once you write the song, a lot of it's out of your hands. Is it a hit? Is it a miss? Um, a lot of that depends on things beyond your control. You know, the zeitgeist of the of the of the listening public. You know, your record company, who your marketing manager is. You know, who else is releasing a single that week? Stuff that's beyond your control. So, I think that pure joy of of creating something out of nothing, playing it from beginning to end for the first time, for me, um, that I think is is the most rewarding experience. So I'd have to say, uh, the songwriter side, though, as I said, there's very few things that are as, as wonderful as having somebody sing your song back to you. Interesting. And as we're on the topic kind of touring and things like that now, um, do you have a favorite venue? Um, I'm sure huh. you've been to Red Rock. Actually, yesterday the singer was on my show for American Author said that Red Rock, the stage is, when you're looking as the lead singer, it's not that high up. So you're looking into the crowd at a very low steep. Would you have a favorite venue? That's interesting. You know, I, I've never played Red Rocks. So I'd love to play there. It's on my bucket list. You know, I've been so fortunate to play many different venues. You know, when you play Madison Square Garden and you sing there, just the history of 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 that place um, kind of is hard to ignore. But if I had to pick one, it's something probably nobody else on your show would ever say. It's actually Dodger Stadium. Wow. Because I was able to play, um, perform at the LA Kings and Anaheim Ducks outdoor hockey game. And as a huge hockey fan to play there at Dodger Stadium, where I grew up, 
watching the Dodgers, catching foul balls in the bleachers, going to games with my parents, to sit at home plate with my band and play Superman in hundred years for you know fifty thousand Dodger fans and fifty thousand Kings fans and Ducks fans. That for me was probably um, my favorite venue I've ever played. Interesting. Wow. Uh, do you have a favorite country? No, well, not the United States. <laughs> yeah, so like outside of the states. Um, yeah. Again, I, I, I and it, here's another really weird one. Um, you know, I've been able to go to Gitmo and play for our troops. I've been able to go to Japan. Recently, I actually went and made a video uh, to my new song, Can One Man Save the World, in Ukraine. So it sounds a little strange, but going into a war zone and playing with Ukrainian orchestra, the favorite's the wrong word, but most significant uh, place I've ever played outside of the United States, and maybe even more than the concert for New York or some of the other things, was going to Ukraine and playing in a war zone with the Ukrainian orchestra. So um, that was certainly uh, a powerful experience, as you can imagine. Which I saw about that. Uh, if you don't mind just elaborating a little bit, what was that experience like as a whole when you were there? Did you feel like it was a little bit dangerous around you or with the military there? Did you feel pretty safe? Well, I went in with some special forces bodyguards, but of course, you know, we were in Kiev and they had, they were, as they have been for the last two years, being you know, bombed by Putin. And so the air raids would go off. And so, yeah, you're scared. Um, you run the gamut of emotions. You're, you're angry and, and kind of horrified at some of the atrocities that you see. You're also inspired by the fortitude of the people and the people you meet um, who are fighting this war. And you meet very kids your age, frankly, um, who have joined the army and are, and are fighting for their freedom. Uh, Every member of that orchestra had either lost a family member, had somebody on their front lines or somebody missing. So you see firsthand the cost of this war. So I think um, I wish everybody could could see what I, I saw and, and, and felt that. I think we take our freedoms for granted in this country and um, don't really understand what may be going on in other parts of the world, certainly with what's happening in Israel and Afghanistan. All the, There's a lot of things that I think... Um, that we may be um, not taken as seriously as we should. So I think going there for me uh, was a gamut of emotions. And yeah, we didn't really sleep for five days. I remember I got back to Poland and I fell down on a, uh, in a safe house, I fell down on a couch and I slept for 24 hours. Cause wow. you're, you're scared there, you're a human being. So you, you, say, you say you went five days without sleep over there in Ukraine. Pretty much, you know, you kind of sleep but you're not really sleeping. It's not good sleep and, and you're just, you know, you're, you're nervous, you're scared, you're inspired, you're filming this video, you know, you're trying to do the logistics of it, you have to perform, <laughs> you know, it, it was pretty mentally exhausting. But then I also kept thinking, you know, I get to leave. So I had a deadline, I could leave, you know, men between 18 and 60 cannot leave, they they're basically they're fighting and, and many folks can't afford to go to Poland, you know, so so I, I, I said, whatever issues I'm having, you know, these people have to live their whole lives under this onslaught every day. So it also gave me a sense of the suffering that they're under, not just the physical suffering of people being killed and bombs going off, but the mental suffering of having to live under this weight that any moment, you know, you know, you could have a missile land on top of your house or you could find out your brother's been killed or so. 
that to me was also a very awakening experience. Interesting. And, and I appreciate you sharing that on the show. Um, sure. Hope a lot of young people are able to listen to that and, and understand what you said there. Um, and your songs, you know, have, have been associated with patriotic stuff as well. Um, like after September 11th attacks, what would you say kind of moving forward a little bit? Um, where do you kind of see the music world going in the near future? It's interesting. You know, the internet is, is you know, and, and uh, YouTube has stirred things up. It's, it's not like you need a record company to get your music heard. Um, at the same time, it's harder to make a living at music because the, you know, before you'd sell a record, an album, you know, and the record company would make $5. And if you sold a million records, they'd make $5 million. And you could afford to make another one and put a lot of money into investment and marketing. Now, basically, everybody has singles, you know, and a single, you know, you may make 35 cents. Um, so the money's just come out of the, the music making process. At the same time, live touring's never been bigger. Um, there's a lot of people still want to go uh, consume live music. It's one of the last few things, music and sports, that you can experience live. And also, you can make music so much cheaper you know before we had to go into a studio two thousand dollars a day spend a hundred thousand dollars to make a record or fifty thousand dollars to make a song two hundred thousand dollars to make a video now you can do it all on your laptop basically yourself so i think it's much easier to afford to make music so i think more and more people will be able to make music um the playing field has been level but also i i feel that there's been kind of so much collaboration where there's 10 people on a song that the singer songwriter who writes the songs of the times, there's not as many of those, you know, the Joni Mitchells of the world for my age, you know, the Bob Dylan's um, who are those artists of this time? You know, maybe it's just cause I'm an old guy and that's what we do, but, but who are the artists that are writing now? Are we going to hear their songs 20 years from now? Um, so I don't know, you know, I would ask you the same question, you know, where do you see kind of the landscape of music and music going kind of from your viewpoint? Well, I guess I would say I kind of see music, um, especially with Taylor Swift a point right now, being used as a big political force, like how she's touring during an election next year in battleground states. So I see music being more involved with politics like it never has before. Um, now, that's a discussion for another day, but that's that's one way of where I see music going. And the second is I see a guy who says, you know, it's not as accurate because things like Spotify nowadays, somebody can rewind it a thousand times so it's different than how listeners and listens would be from you know when you probably put out your first album it's a great source to get music out there you know but it's also kind of unfair and you don't really tell who's actually big in there or not because you just see one click or something so digital kind of affects that no, it certainly does. I, I remember, you know, it was before your time, you know, when the when the streaming just first started um, and people were deciding, you know, do I put my songs on these platforms for that exact reason? Um, and the rates that people uh, receive from so social media playing as a, as a songwriter are pennies on the dollar compared to being played on commercial radio. So, as I said, it's gotten better as, as streaming has caught up with with physical sales but it's still harder for a songwriter um and an artist to to make a living 
and do that. And and I think you're right. I mean, music's always been a big part of politics. And and I do think, uh, hey, look, look at the songs I'm writing. I wrote about Afghanistan. I wrote about Ukraine. And I'm now writing one about what's going on in Israel and here in the United States. And that's a healthy thing. It's a healthy thing. You know, artists should express themselves and provide a point of view. And everybody's point of view is valid. So um, I hope that people continue to do that and maybe even do that a little bit more on some of these big issues. But uh, I, th I think that was very interesting, uh, your point, and I think you're probably right. For sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on Jacob Buer's show today. One last thing I just want to squeeze in is um, any other advice you'd have for college students? It doesn't have to be music related. Back in time a little bit here. You know, I, I really think, you know, it's it's great to get an education. It's great to go to a great school like Purdue and 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 then come out with a degree that can maybe help you find a job and um, but I really think college is about meeting people, exploring new certain new things, um, trying something that, that maybe you're afraid to do. You know, my daughter Olivia just graduated from uh, NYU as a as a music theater kid, but she took you know she took an introductory physics class with this crazy Russian you know physics teacher about astronomy, and she loved it. So I think you know at this time in your life you have the ability to explore so many different things, meet so many different people, all roads are open. So I hope everybody takes advantage of that. And um, there'll be plenty of time to work the nine to five, to get the job, you know, to, to, to raise a family, to build an income. And, um, but now is the time to really enjoy your freedom and, and, and explore things, um, be grateful for what you have. And Hey, sometimes college isn't for everybody. You know, sometimes college isn't for everybody. You know, there's so many other things to do, so many trades. You know, my son went to school for a couple of years and it just wasn't his thing. And see, he, he 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 loved to do kind of things with his hands and works now for our family business. So I think um, don't expect the world to tell you what what you want to do. And that's and I as a parent, you know, I'm sure parents parents will be mad, but don't don't necessarily just do exactly what your parents want to do. It's your life. Um, it's a time for exploration. Um, the clock is not running out. You're still in the first first of hundred years. You have a lot of time ahead of you. Um, so, so you know, I think out of this pandemic, I think we all realize that you know life can be can be short. But um, at your age, it's an exciting time. And so many people look back about their time in college and think about it as the best part of their life. And there's a reason for that. So appreciate that. Enjoy it. Work hard. Have fun. Make friends for a lifetime. And I think all will be good. For sure. Well, thank you so much for joining the Jacob Buer Show today. You're welcome, Jacob. Have a good day.